Hi, this is Jason, lead pastor at Casper Alliance Church. Thanks again for stopping by our weekly teaching podcast. This is the sixth week of our summer series, The Psalm of Ascents, where we're talking about discipleship. And we uh, based each topic on the chapters in a book called The Long Obedience in the Same Direction. This week, our head elder, Mark, uh, spoke. And uh, he talked on security from Psalm 125. Hope you have a great week. Thanks for stopping by. Good morning, still, yeah, good morning. Uh, for, for our visitors this morning, um, I, I said earlier, I'm not the pastor. My name is Mark Ahan. I'm one of the elders here at the church, and our pastor is not here today. So I am filling in. Uh, for those of you who have been here for a while or have been here even one time, you will know when I say, this will be a much quieter sermon today than what you all are used to. Yeah. Amen. Um, I, I keep telling myself every time I like put, sometimes put like notes in my notes to say yell here. <laughs> I never do it. So um, we are uh, still in a, a study through a portion of the book of Psalms called Psalms of the Ascent. And it's 15 Psalms and it's it's songs that the Israelites sang as they were traveling back to Jerusalem. And um, as you go through these, in preparing for this, I spent a lot of time talking about the, or reading about the history of the Psalms and what they mean and all the symbolism. Symbolism? Sim- now I can't say it right. Symbolism. symbolism, thank you. And, you know, and there's a whole bunch of stuff, and I would encourage you, if you're interested in that stuff, look it up. Just Google Psalms of the Ascent. It'll tell you all kinds of stuff. It's kind of interesting, kind of fun. Um, But I'm not going to go into that today. So we're going to be in Psalm 125 today. And this is um, the topic for the day, if you will. Kind of the overarching one is security. And so in my Bible, it says the Lord surrounds his people for Psalm 125. So let me read it to you now. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, and his time, and uh, from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with the evildoers. Peace upon Israel. So when I read through this, Jason asked me, it's been like months ago. He's like, hey, I have to take um, Carter to camp. I'm going to be gone this Sunday. Can you fill in? This is the topic. I'm like, fine. I pull it up um, on my phone. I read Psalm 125. I think, yeah. That's an easy one. I got it. <sighs> Over the last couple, last several months, I keep looking at it. I pull it up every once in a while. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? Okay. Then I start. I have a thing that I do that I call overthinking everything. I may be the only one who does it. I don't know. So, so I backed up a little bit and I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna look at it and I'm just gonna talk says. So the psalm really gets broken down into three sections. 
The first section is the first two voices, two first two verses. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this and forevermore. So, one thing everybody agrees on is that Jerusalem is on a hill. And it's on a hill, and it's surrounded by hills. And Jerusalem, the city itself, is a fortress, and it's a pretty solid place. And so, very clearly, what the writer of this psalm says is that those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. That means those who trust in the Lord. Not everybody, not everybody who doubts all the time, if you're, whatever. Those who trust in the Lord are secure. It doesn't mean that someday, if you trust in the Lord, you will be secure. Or you can be secure. If you work really, really hard at it, and you trust really, really hard, you can be secure. It doesn't say that. Because those who trust in the Lord are secure. It says they are like Mount Zion. You are a mountain. You are immovable. And you are a mountain. Now the thing that Jerusalem had going for it is that it was also surrounded by mountains. And so we have the added advantage that not only am I, in trusting in God, an immovable mountain, I am surrounded by more immovable mountains. And those more immovable mountains are God. And so I found a great story. Honestly, I had forgotten about this one a little bit. It's in 2 Kings chapter 6, if you want to follow along. Um, starting in verse 11. So basically, we're talking about... Um, um, the prophet Elisha. And, and he's hiding out, and um, the king of Syria is, looking, is warring against Israel, and he's trying to, trying to destroy them. And Elisha keeps getting told by God what's going on, and so the king of Syria gets really mad about it. So he hunts down Elisha, and he says this, uh, 2 Corinthians 6, beginning of verse 11. No, 2 Kings, sorry, I told my wife. If I don't give the full reference, tell me. If I like change the reference halfway through, tell me. So 2 Kings, verse 6, verse 11. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing, and he called the servants and said to, him, said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? Meaning, is there a spy? And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent there horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, Behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city, and the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire 
all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way and this is not the city. Follow me. I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. So basically, he made them leave. So, but the point I wanted to make there is that God there has surra- had surrounded Elisha with an army of flaming chariots. And he has surrounded each one of us with that same army. And he is with us now and forevermore. So, so here's the point I like to make about the first part of this sermon, or about the first part of this psalm. Also, the first part of the sermon, coincidentally. The emphasis here in this psalm is not on how precarious and how um, tricky the Christian life is. It's all about how solid our life should be. If we are standing, if we are in that city, if we are in that fortress, we have no reason to be thinking, oh boy, I don't know if I'm going to make this. You know, there's, there's a, um, I read an example where a lot of times people feel like, you know, the Christian life, if I do everything right, and if I do it just so, I can get across this tightrope, and I can make it to the end, and I can make it to the prize. And that's not what this psalm is saying. And that's not what God wants from us. God wants us to live a solid life, sitting in a fortress, surrounded by more mountains, and an army of flaming chariots. And if you take that, and if you understand that, it gives you a whole different way of looking at your life, and it's the way that is attractive to other people. So, um, the other interesting thing is, I think, I like to say, we all need a fortress at times. You know, there are times when we've got stuff going on. And it can be, I don't even know, it can be sickness or unemployment or sadness or busyness or just life. And we all need a fortress. We all need a place where we can go. Um, if you're like me, sometimes you think, I'm going to go out and I'm going to build that fortress. And it's going to be the best fortress anyone has ever seen, and I'm going to live in that fortress, and I'm going to be safe. And you can exhaust yourself doing that. Or, oddly enough, the one who created the universe has already provided a fortress for you. Why not just use that? So, the next piece of this, of this um, passage, Psalm uh, 125, verse 3, For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. You know, when I first read this verse, I was like, I, I don't have a clue what they're talking about here. Scepters and wands, and some Bibles say rods, and wickedness, and I, you know, what are we talking about here? And then it hit me that what it's saying here is that you're going to run into wickedness. And you can fill in the blank there. Wickedness, again, it can be struggle. It can be um, temptation. It can be disease. It can be a lot of things. 
and you're going to run into it. I mean, if you have found a way to avoid it, please let me know. We can make a fortune. But you're going to run into it. But what this verse tells us is that it will not last. It cannot, it will not ever outlast the love and the power of God. So we have an inheritance. We just sang a whole bunch of songs about heaven and about going there someday. And that's, that's our inheritance. In the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Of your souls. You know, there are times I get a little insecure. And it's like, man, was that sin the one? Is that the one that, that disqualifies me from getting the inheritance? And it doesn't. And that's what the Bible is saying. And that's what that passage in Psalms is saying is that God is there and even when I am not faithful, he is, faithful. he is protecting us, and he believes in us. And then finally, the last, the last portion of this psalm, um, verses 4 and 5, Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. You know, this gets, you know, it's a prayer. You know, the guy who's writing this psalm is writing a prayer. And, um, you know, he's basically saying, do good to those who are good. And I know there are times I think, man, I was not good today. Or I was not good in that meeting. Or I was not good on that phone call. Or I was not good to my children. Or I was not good to my wife sometimes. But what's important to remember here is that being good is not something that I'm doing. I can't do it. I can't work my way into being good. In the book of Ezekiel, which I shudder to go to Ezekiel because, in my opinion, Ezekiel is the strangest book in the entire Bible. But there is one passage that I understand, and it's this one. Ezekiel 36 Beginning at verse 22. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, 
It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know, will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord your God, even though when you vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and come walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my We need a new heart in order to be good. And there's only one place to get that heart. And that's through faith in Jesus. And when you have faith in Jesus, he will give you a new heart. And at that point in time, you will then have the desire to do good. You have the desire to, to, to follow him and to watch him and to be with him. You know, there's going to be bad days. Um, but again, Jesus, God is faithful, and he will, he will protect you, he will protect your inheritance, and he will keep you safe. Um, Along Obedience in the Same Direction, Eugene Peterson. This is kind of the book that has been the inspiration for this series. Um, I was going to uh, try and summarize a paragraph because I really liked it, and then I thought, you know what, I'm just going to read the paragraph. So if you're in the book, it's on page 84. All the persons of faith I know are sinners, doubters, uneven performers. We are secure not because we are sure of ourselves, but because we trust that God is sure of us. The opening phrase of the psalm is those who trust in God, not those who trust in their performance, in their morals, in their righteousness, in their health, in their pastor, in their doctor, in their president, in their economy, in their nation. Those who trust in God. Those who decide that God is for us and will make us whole eternally. So, I realized as I was uh, preparing this over the last couple weeks what my struggle was in trying to figure out what to do with this passage. The struggle is that in a lot of ways I have lived this passage. And so um, I, I, noticed, I noticed on some of Jason's notes, at some point in the notes he says, land the plane. So, I'm going to land the plane now with a story. Um, a couple of years ago, like 23, 24 almost years ago, actually probably 25 years ago, my wife started suffering with some pain. And about 24 years ago, we decided to actually do something about it and find somebody who would do something about it. <clears throat> and at that point, she found out that she had a tumor that was eating her bones from the inside out. And 
she had, by the time they found it, she had already lost one vertebra in her back that she still doesn't have. And she had other places where her bones were being eaten throughout her body. She was in a lot of pain. Um, she saw some doctors who basically were like, everyone has pain. It's fine. Here's, one doctor gave her a sheet of exercises and said, do these, and this will help. Um, we didn't feel real good about that. So we um, went a little further, had some more testing done, found some doctors in Salt Lake City who would do some scans and do some tests, and then it led, it's a whole long thing, led to a biopsy, led to a diagnosis of a cancer called multiple myeloma. And, you know, at this point in our life, we had a five-year-old and a three-year-old living at home with us and two dogs, I think. Um, we were living in Rock Springs, Wyoming, who did not have an In the entire town at that point in time, did not have an oncologist. So, so we're going through all this stuff. We're going to a great church there. And I will always remember someone, multiple someones in our life, tell us, you just need to have more faith. Like it's a thing that I can go out and grow in my garden or buy at Walmart, at whatever. So, you know, it was, if you have more faith, if you trust more, if you do these things, you will be healed. Well, we got to the point where, you know that whole, um, the scepter of wickedness will be temporary? We kind of adopted that philosophy as a family. And we thought, you know what? We're going to just trust in God. And this is temporary. This, this too shall pass. Well, I can tell you it's been 24 years now. It's, it's still going to pass. We, we know it is. Um, but we really at some point decided that we were just going to settle in our fortress. That we were just going to sit and we were going to do what we feel like God called us to do and we were just going to try and get healthy and we were going to just be well, we have a lot of people in our life who did not understand this. They seem to think that we should be a lot more distraught and a lot more concerned and a lot more panicked, if you will. I mean, there were just a lot of things, and we almost got the feeling, at least I did, got the feeling that we knew all these people in our lives who were born-again believing Christians who are just waiting for us to fall off the tightrope. And then they would be there to help pick up the pieces. And we never did. You know, were we perfect? Have we perfectly trusted God for the last 24 years that everything is going to be great? We've gone through some stupid stuff. There's been testing and sicknesses and hospitalizations and a bone marrow transplant and countless chemo treatments and, what are we, 197 radiation treatments? Something like that. 190-something radiation treatments. 
you know, and we've done it all. And this is in like four different cities and eight different doctors. And I mean, it's been, it's been a whirlwind. Were we perfect? No. Did we doubt? Yes. Did we yell? Yes. Did we cry? Yes. A lot? A lot. Um, did at times we felt like, did we feel like we need to build a fortress? We, we need to sit down and we need to come up with the thing and the plan and the books and the whatever and we're going to build this fortress. Did we do that? We did. But do we rest now? Usually. We still struggle. We still have a lot going on. You know, right now my wife can see out of one eye. Kind of. <laughs> you know, the other one we're still trying to get to work right and lasers and there's all kinds of, you know, it's just a thing. That rod of wickedness just keep banging on us. But we know that it's temporary. We know that someday it's going to happen. Uh, I found a quote, John Phillips. He said, To get at Jerusalem, an enemy has to get past the mountains. To get at God's people, an enemy must first get past God. And we've kind of adopted that. You know, we never really, at some point in, you know, 2004, did I read Psalm 125 and say, Beth! I did it, I yelled. Beth! This is it! This is the answer! We just need to live Psalm 125 and we'll be secure. Did I do that? No. I never did that. You know, and so we have gotten to a place, and, you know, we have a lot of people... We have a lot of people in this room who love us and care for us. But my question, and I guess as I conclude, is going to be, why, why is it so much easier for us to look at someone who we know is suffering, who we know is going through something, and we just sit and wonder, is this the day? Is this the day they can't go any further? Because I'm going to be there on that day. I'm going to be there to pick him up. I'm going to be there to do the thing. Instead, do we not come alongside and say, you know what, our God reigns. And I know you're in the middle of it. I know you may be having a hard time walking down this path because these rocks are loose but I've got these sticks and I'm willing to share one with you. And we'll get through this because our God is our security and our rock. So I'm going to have the worship team come up and I'm going to pray and then um, we're going to sing and then when we're done singing, you're dismissed to go home. So let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for your word. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that there are times that we read your word and we go, oh, that's exactly what I've been doing. Thank you. Or, oh, that's what I should have been doing. Thank you. But Father, I just pray now that we would be a people. Lord, who can, can see our brothers and sisters fighting, can see our brothers and sisters struggling with whatever it is. And Father, that we 
rather than sit and wait and see if they make it, Lord, that we come alongside them and we encourage them and we fill them with your peace and your grace. Father, I just thank you and I pray now that you'd bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.